Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I just want to go ahead and dive on into the Word. If you would stand with me tonight, I think it'd be awesome to honor the Word of God. Tonight, I want to do a little bit at, the, at, at our altar service tonight. And if you've got a breakout, you go on ahead. But at our altar service tonight, I want to do something a little different, something a little bit special. And it's going to be related to this mission. Don't worry, you're not going to have to turn on to or anything like that. Uh, But God's given me something I want to share with you tonight. I want to do just something. I think he's going to move. I think the Lord is going to speak to us tonight. I believe he is. Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 9. As human beings, incredible difficulty staying still and being calm and dealing with things as rationally as we should. We struggle, and especially there's books that are written on this topic and things that have been talked about where in the mob mentality, in other words, when a group of people are together and, and everyone's dealing with the same stress situation at the same time, it's called the mob mentality. Anybody ever hear that? Individuals are smart, The mob is psycho. (laughs) That's what they tell you. We lose it. In a mob environment, we we just lose our grip on things. IQs fall out of our brains and crazy animal instinctive things start operating in in our minds and our bodies. And I want to talk to you tonight about when hope seems lost, be still. Be still. Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 9, says this. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh. Brother Kylie, you stole a little bit of my thunder on Sunday. People are like, we just read this. And his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea, beside Pehiroth and before Baal-Zaphon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. You can be seated. So you all know this picture very well. There's no guests in the house tonight, so I'm going to assume that everybody knows this story. They've escaped 400 years of captivity, brutal beatings, as Brother Kylie talked a little bit about that on Sunday. Terrible conditions, and it got worse and worse. And with Ramses II, he was even doubling the work, and he was piling it on them, and things were brutal, and they worked day and night and toiled and making more mud bricks and, and more with less straw and all that stuff. You guys know all of that story. They're escaping to the sea, and Moses is leading them out that way. This poor, poor, poor man of God who's just trying to do what God told him to do. And imagine now, you're in this mob of people. The individuals are smart, but the mob is stupid. And they're coming out of all of this stuff. They've been released. The miracles that they saw before God. All of the ten plagues of Egypt that never affected one of them. They saw the locusts. They saw the flies and the frogs and the bloody water. They saw all of that nasty stuff and nothing happened to them. Now, I know somebody in this place is going to start preaching with me pretty soon because you're going to say, uh-huh, yep, I was, I was there, I know. 
You've seen the miracles. You've seen God in front of your face do things. You've seen him step up and act in a miraculous way. You're one of those Israelites that have seen the blood and the flies and the frogs and the crud. You've seen it all. And we're pursuing, we're running out to where God is guiding us. And we come to a sea. And they turn around and they see the greatest army ever assembled on planet earth at that time. Chariots, rumbling, iron, and swords, and spears, and brass, and wheels, and horses, and all of that mighty power. You understand there were no nuclear war, and, 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 and cannons, and all of that stuff. Like, dude, this was the top level of military might on the known planet. And they're coming down on top of you. And in that moment, in that time, the Israelites become a mob and they start thinking like a mob and they start getting scared. They were sore afraid. Moses was the one who stood in front of Pharaoh, challenged Pharaoh. Do you know that at any point in time, any point in that place, Pharaoh could have called over a guard and said, stab that guy to death. Take his head off. Moses was the man who stood before Pharaoh. They got to stay back in the camp. But they saw the blood. They saw the flies and the frogs and all of the plagues and the locusts. And you know what else they saw? They saw the death angel. They saw the death angel fly over the houses of the people of Israel and the cries and the screams as their children were dying in their homes. But theirs weren't because they had the lintels and the, and the, and the header of the door was covered in that lamb's blood. They saw all of that, but they stood as a mob before Moses and cried out to the Lord, have you been there? Come on, have you been there? Have you been in that place where you've seen God do the miracle in your life? You've seen him do miracles at church. You've seen him bring you through challenges and, and, and all of these things multiple times. But there's that one Pharaoh's army that comes up and you go, oh God, he's not doing it this time. Have you been there? Are you there now? Does someone you know and love stand in that place right now? Is somebody there? Are there people behind these signs that are feeling that right this moment? Let's read on a little bit. In verse 11, it goes on, it says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? They were mocking him. Of course they knew there were graves in Egypt. They watched tens of thousands of their countrymen die and get buried out in that desert. But now they're angry. This is mob. Remember, this is mob mentality. Wherefore hast thou dealt with, to, with us to carry us forth out, out of Egypt? They're saying basically, why did you do this? Think about that for a second. Where were you before you were here? Did you carry us into the desert to die? God, did you save me just to suffer, just to go through these terrible events, these challenges that we've had to face? Is not this word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? When did they say that? I read back. <laughs> you can, this is Exodus, right? So it's only book number two. Okay, you're, we're only nine, 14 verses, 14 chapters into book number two. 
So it's real easy to go back a little bit and see the cart, you know, that passage where all the Israelites were like, no, 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 Moses, we want to stay. No, that doesn't exist. <laughs> he, they literally lied to him and say, don't you remember when we said we wanted to stay? We wanted to deal with this on our own? This is how dumb the mob can get. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians and it would die, to be to die in the wilderness. Really? Under the lash of the Egyptian slave masters, it would be better to die there than to be with Moses. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. And what does he say? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We've heard it quoted seven million times. We've heard it thousands of times. But folks, this is the thing that we're challenged with in the flesh. We just can't seem to do it sometimes. We want to go, we want to solve, we want to be in the part of the solution. We want to talk to our friend about this problem we had and we want to make sure that it's not gossip so we say praise the Lord or thank God or something like that in the middle of the conversation, right? Bless his heart. I love the pastor, but you know he, right? We want to go and fix and do. It's nearly impossible for us to just stand still. And let God do his thing. The God factor, Brother Kylie. Tonight, our altar call, we're going to stand still. We're going to come up together. And as a congregation and as a body, now some of you might leave, okay, that's all right. But we're going to come here and we're going to stand still. And we're going to hear from God. We're going to pray. We're going to talk to the Lord, but we're going to stand, and we're going to be still. I think we're going to hear from the Lord tonight. Amen? Anybody else feel like we're going to hear from the Lord? Act in faith. Believe it. He says, stand still. At first, he says, fear ye not, because duh. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Brother Kylie pointed it out on Sunday. Forever they will be gone. I was a 16-year-old young man in a youth group in my church that I grew up in. Nobody knew that I was tortured with a spirit of depression that was crushing. It was painful. I wept quietly by myself at night so many times. I hated life. I hated what I was going through. I loved my church. I loved the Lord. I was seeking God. I had a call when I was 16 years old. But a young man by the name of Ricky Poe, an evangelist, some of you may know that name, you might remember, came to our church for a youth revival. And he got us all together in our youth center and we were going to have a time of prayer. We stood still in a circle and Ricky came into that circle and he said, I'm going to pray. He says, don't tell me what you're praying for. Don't tell me what the situation is. He says, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pray a word of God over you. You pray in your mind what it is that you want God to do. He had us close our eyes and he began to work his way around that circle praying for all the people and I'm standing there. God, free me from depression. God, free me from depression. I don't want to live like this. More. I don't want to feel like it anymore. And I was saying it in my mind. And Ricky Poe came around and he got to me and he laid a hand on my forehead 
And I want to tell you, at that exact moment, God put a vision in my mind of the most hideous, awful, black, terrible, I, I call it a gargoyle. Anybody know what a gargoyle is? Do you ever see those fancy buildings and cities and the big thing on a corner? Like that stone thing that looks like that, you know? This thing was sitting on my shoulders and had, st- I'm going to do it to Sister Hickey here because she can't do anything about it. Sitting on my shoulders with talons locked into my shoulders like this. And when he laid his hand on my forehead, I watched that thing go, and release from me. Never again have I ever felt the presence of depression like that again. We stood still and we watched God do awesome things. That Egyptian in my life was gone forever. Thank you, Lord. He goes on in verse 14 to say that the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Can I just hammer on that one for a second? Can we swim around in the pond of verse 14 a little while? The Lord shall fight for you. That's good. That's a good part of that. But the part I really like a lot is coming up. And you shall hold your peace. You know what Moses was saying? I heard all your crabbing. I heard all the lies you were saying about how you told me to keep you in Egypt. I heard all the things that you said that were a bunch of garbage and all the murmuring that you were doing. And now God is about to deliver you. Shut up! That's what he was saying, right? Anybody want to refute that? What a lesson to us. What a lesson to us. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're being challenged with, the pain, the hurt, the problem, the the, the frustration, the issue, the battle, the challenge, the things that don't look real good, the things that look bleak in your life, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever Egyptian army is at your doorstep, stand and see the salvation of the Lord and shut up! My, My third grade teacher, she... She used to say it's practically swearing to tell people to shut up. So people say, shut up over there. <gasps> Billy, go into the principal's office. Never tell people to shut up. But Moses did. You understand? He'll fight for you. You're not alone in this. If you had the worst possible scenario, there's, there was nobody worse than the Egyptian army anywhere. On planet Earth, there was nothing you could have faced ever at that time that was worse than the Egyptian army. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't care how bad the problem is. But we struggle so much with the concept of holding our peace and standing still and waiting on God. We're impatient. We're flesh. I hate the flesh. We're flesh, and it drives us, and we get antsy, and I want to fix the problem, and I want to go tell my friend, and I want to... I had somebody call me here in the office recently, terrified about a, a, a family member problem that was going on. And when this person started speaking, their tone was right about here. And as they begin to talk... And talk faster and faster and faster. And then we're really up at the side. And they're really high up here. And I just don't know what I'm going to do. 
sudden I heard the phone go down on the table. And this person doesn't attend here, by the way. Don't try to figure out who it is. They literally had to put the phone down to step back. And I can hear in the background. (gasps) (sighs) (sighs) And I just wanted to say, stop. Be still. You're talking yourself into oblivion. She got back on the phone. I said, listen, it's going to be okay. We're going to pray right now. And I began to pray with her on the phone. And it was powerful. And I could hear on the other side speaking in tongues. Because she knew that the presence of the Lord was now there. And he was going to go and fight the fight. And you know something? I can't give you the details, but God went and fought the fight. God made a miracle. Amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. We just don't like dead air. People that come up and speak. I'll stop sometimes just because I want to collect my thoughts and my my breath. (laughs) Get going with it thing and I get, I get out of breath but people don't like dead air in conversations when you're in sales and you're training sales salespeople get in the same rut they get into the same situation because they get nervous and if there's dead air something bad's going to happen so they keep on talking and sometimes I got to kick the sales guy under the table and say shut off just let it go you know we're terrified of dead air be still and hold your peace we don't like silence people leave the tv on in their homes all the time never watch it Never watch one program. It's just on all the time because we have to have some kind of sound, some kind of noise. It's been programmed into us. We've got the radio playing in the background. Never hear one song, one radio program. But we're programmed that way. We're impatient and we want to fix. Moses told the people of Israel to stop and stand still. Imagine the response to that, the horror in their face. What? Army. But this is always God's direction when we're facing crises, when we're facing challenges in our life or in our church or in our relationships or at work. You see, despair, when we get into despair, it will take you down. It'll keep you from standing up. Remember remember what Moses said, stand There's a power to that, by the way. Nothing wrong with kneeling. Nothing wrong with humbling yourself before the Lord. And that's not what I'm talking about. There are just those times when we're facing those situations where we got to get up off of our knees and grovel. Hey, it's in Scripture. God spoke to people and said, what are you doing on the ground? Get up! Get up and go fight! There are those times when he's saying, you get up and you stand. You let the armies of Israel know you're not going to cower in front of them. But despair will take you down into a hole. People end up in a fetal position dealing with it. Fear is going to just cause you to run. Anybody have a guess what would have happened if the children of Israel just broke out into a dead run? Anybody know? They would have drowned. They weren't going to run at the army. Where else would they have ran? Right into the sea. You know that sometimes people do that. They freak out. They panic. And instead of standing still and seeing the salvation of the Lord, they bolt. 
They panic. This doesn't look good. Things are going bad. This is going to be a bad situation. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to, something bad's going to happen. And they run, and they run right into the sea. Sometimes they drown. Sometimes they tread water. Sometimes they come back to shore and they go, okay, I get it. But they didn't have a choice. Impatience is something we're so terribly stricken with as well. But impatience is just going to tell you to do something irrational and do it right now. Folks, can I just give you a piece that I've given many times over the pulpit one more time? The flesh should never be the one who gets to call first. When you're in a situation and you feel a a reaction coming, some sort of a response, the flesh always runs to the front of the line. Always. And what we have to do is learn to discipline ourselves to say, oh, that was the flesh that wants me to say that to that person or to do that thing or to run into the sea. Our flesh always gets to speak first. That's how stupid the devil can be. But if we get smart and we recognize that the flesh is the thing that wants to guide us first, and we say, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to put him back to the back of the line. I want to see what God has to say. Oh, the victories we will have, the seas that will part in front of us, the armies that will be slain, what's that word, slain, beaten, slain, that's the word, the armies that will be slain before us if we just learn to tell the flesh, ah, sorry, Back of the line, pal. God's in the head of this one. Your seas will part. Your armies will die. Your problems will part if we learn to do that well. Amen? Amen. Presumption is another one that comes through the flesh. Presumption, had it captured the people of Israel, would have had them jumping in the water. Well, Moses is going to part it with God anyway. I'll just go ahead and get a head start. Glug, 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 glug as they drown. Gets us going ahead of the man of God. Presumption tells us that we've got the answer before the answer is actually here. And it's dangerous. I presume that this situation is going to fail. This situation is going to be bad. This situation is going to cause me harm. I'm a fortune teller. I can forecast because of presumption. Presumption is a nasty thing. But as God told Israel, he often tells us to just stand still, hold your peace. The tongue is a wicked thing, gets us into trouble. Our mouth talks us into the middle of the army or into the middle of the sea. Silence brings salvation. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We'll start at verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting at verse 1. And it says this, And it came to pass that when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Stand still and hold your peace on that one for just a minute. 
Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Look at verse 6 now. And David was greatly distressed. Well, we already knew that because he wept to the point he couldn't cry anymore. But why was he further distressed? For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. All hope seemed lost. So what did they want to do? They wanted to kill the leader. We always want to have somebody to blame for what's going wrong. The flesh always wants to point a finger. Well, it's got to be this particular situation. It's got to be the same thing. There's got to be a cancer. There's got to be a poison. There's got to be a single answer that, that just covers it all because it makes me feel better to know what the cause of the problem was. It just makes me feel better to know that, well, clearly... David's leadership was a failure, and that allowed Ziklag to be taken by the Amalekites, and okay, now I can grieve for all of my lost children, my wife, etc. But listen to what David did. It goes on in verse 6 and says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said Abiathar, to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar, and there's a whole thing I could get into bringing the ephod and what that meant. It's another message. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. Now just, just look how David approached this thing. Look what he did before he acted. In verse 8, and it says, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop and overtake them? Shall I overtake them? He actually, he actually took the time to truly, honestly pray about it. We're going to pray about it. I prayed about this, but I still have to tell you I think you're ugly. I still think you did this wrong. I still think I don't like you. I still have this problem with this person, etc., etc. I prayed about it. There's just a little twinge in me sometimes when people say that. I want to just go, did you really? Did you really? Right? We flip that phrase off like it's no problem. I've got six or eight of them in my back pocket right now. I prayed about it. Prayed about it. Did you really? Come on. This is the house of God. He's listening. David prayed. He sought the wisdom of the Lord. And he said, should I pursue this troop? Should I go after him? Will I overtake them? He actually asked him if he would be successful. He sought the Lord and asked what he should do. In other words, he just remained still, held his peace, and sought God first. What a novel idea. Listen to the awesome words of the Lord as he said further in verse 8. And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. Cool it. Cool your jets, David. 
you go ahead and do. And not only are you going to overtake them, you're going to get them all back. I venture to say that had he not done that, let's just say, for example, he just prayed about it. You know, the back pocket kind. I prayed about it. And he just ran out there and went after the Amalekites. David had a powerful army. He had loyal men. They were very skilled in battle. These guys, even at this point, they were, they were hardened battle veterans. David would have caught up with the Amalekites. I guarantee you he would have caught up with the Amalekites. But would he have recovered all without God? That's what you need to ask. That's what you need to ask yourself. If I run out of here, if I go and do, and I do my pray about it, and I go and I do this my way, Am I going to get back some stuff? Am I going to get some things that I want? Am I going to get it the way I want? You might. You might get a little bit. You might get some. You might get part. But you will not get all. You will not get all. Only through God. That's what he's trying to say. Stand still. Hold your peace. And everything you want. Done. David knew how it worked. Listen to what he wrote in the Psalms in Psalm 4. Psalm 4, starting at verse 3. He said, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call upon him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and, and what? Be still. Selah. I mean, stand and think about it. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and do what? Put your trust in the Lord. Not your flesh, not your own idea, not your back pocket prayed about it. The Lord. The Lord will hear when you call. Do you really believe it? Do you try it? Do you test it? Do you prove him? If you stop, I told you we're going to do this tonight. We're going to step up here and we're going to prove him. So I want you right now, before we get ready to close, I got just a little bit more. I want you to think about the thing that you're facing, the issue that you have, the army that you're looking at, whatever it is, whatever it may be. I don't care how big or small, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God. A pebble is the same as Mount Everest to God. But put that thing in your mind because we're going to step forward. We're going to stand still. We're going to hold our peace. And we're going to pray like David did. God, should I pursue this troop? Will I overtake them? And we're going to listen for the Lord. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer if that's okay. Amen. Okay. All right. You can stand with me this evening. Psalm chapter 46 and 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, that's not a future tense, I will be. It just means I will be. At every moment, at every point in time, at everything that happens, everything that goes on forward from this moment on, I will be exalted. That means he'll be lifted up. He's bigger than all of it. He's higher than everything. There's not a future tense thing there. He's not saying to himself, you know, at some point down the road, I'm going to be exalted. People are going to recognize who I am. He's saying right now, I will be exalted. 
Know that I am God. I want you to that thing that you're thinking in your mind tonight, know in your mind and in your heart that he is God. He hears you. He understands where you're at. He sees the enemy before you. He's already gone ahead and taken a hold of it. Know that he is God because he's already exalted. And last, Mark chapter 4 and 38. You don't have to turn it. It'll be up here. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. He was in the hinder part of the ship. It was asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Because, oh my, one of life's storms had come through. And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I offer you tonight that Jesus never had to vocalize one word to stop the sea and the wind. He didn't even have to give up, get up from his pillow. He didn't have to say a stinking thing. He could have simply opened his eyes and went, and everything would have been calm. I submit to you tonight that the reason he stood up and he spoke out to the sea and to the wind is because he was, listening, he was standing by a bunch of disciples that needed to hear him say, peace be still. He was talking to them as much as he was talking to the sea and the air. He was talking to you. Let's come on up to the altar tonight. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We're going to stand. And I hope you brought that peace. I hope you brought your Egyptian army with you or your windy storm. I hope you brought it with you. I hope you're ready to be David. Let's all close our eyes right now. Jesus' name, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I stand before you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.